Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. How's it? It's Josh. Something we forgot to mention in this episode, but I wanted to talk to you about really quick right here is that I've been invited to the Amonkhet pre-pre-release. This is a first look at the new set, and we've got an awesome lineup featuring cosplayer extraordinaire Christine Sprenkel, Aaron Forsyth from Wizards of the Coast, and popular streamer Ilian, as well as a bunch of the cast from Loading Ready Run who are the hosts of the event. It'll be streaming all day on Friday, April 14th, beginning from 11 a.m. Pacific. Just go to twitch.com slash loadingreadyrun to check it out. I hope to see you in the chat throwing some support behind yours truly. Okay, that's it. Let's dive into the new latest episode of the Command Zone, and our exclusive Amonkhet preview card. This time, we got an awesome one. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Kill Bill. Right? Yep. What a great movie. And it's when the uh, nurse is walking down the hallway, it's right? It's Daryl Hannah with her one uh, eye patch. Yeah. Gosh, what yes. a cool character. That, uh... That's what goes through my head whenever I'm sitting in a game with no cards in hand and everyone's just doing stuff. Just chilling. How's it going, everybody? You're listening to an episode and watching an episode of the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. We have a very exciting episode today. We have a preview card from Amon Ket. Then for the first time ever, the preview card is also our episode... Um, we got a legendary creature, mm-hmm. and Jimmy built an entire deck around it. A whole deck. So, uh, and this is before we knew any of the other cards in the set as well. Well, we so, knew three other cards. Yeah, three other cards. Uh, we'll talk about two of those as well today. So before we get into all of that, this show is brought to you by CardKingdom.com. Make sure you use our affiliate link, CardKingdom.com slash CommandZone, if you would like to support the show. Buy some singles, buy some Amonkhet cards, buy this card we're going to preview. <gasps> you can't see it yet. <laughs> you are such a tease. Uh, yes, definitely you want to be pre-ordering your Amonkhet stuff right now. And if you use the affiliate link, then you're supporting the show. Another way to support the show is directly through patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to David, David Rice. Rice. David. Thanks, David. You rock. I also like your last name. I eat it a lot in my life. Rice. You get kicked out of the Asian club if you don't eat rice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. uh, you also get kicked out if you order chicken at a Korean barbecue place. This is true. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do don't that. Do that. It, just wastes, it takes too long also. You're yeah. Just, you're mon- monopolizing the grill. Um, oh, something we should mention here is that a new episode of Game Nights has dropped. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, and this one was, I keep telling people it's my favorite episode yet. It had... I don't want to. I don't really want to throw shade at anybody, but it had our coolest guests yet. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we uh, brought in two guests, both from out of town: the professor and Melissa Detora, which is very exciting. Also, Melissa is the first female on the show, which is great because we want to represent as much of the community as possible, and Melissa is a huge part of that. Also, Melissa is the best player we've ever had on <laughs> the show to, by like a wide, by margin. wide margin. Yeah, yeah. Like watching her go through plays and sequence things, I'm like, oh man, I'm bad at magic. Yeah. She is so good at magic. Uh, that episode is up on our YouTube channel right now. 
it's my favorite because it has the most interplay. And it's ironic because you don't think of professional players like Melissa as somebody who would really get right. involved in the politics of a game very much. But she definitely does. And the prof is definitely somebody who likes table talk and table chatter. So there's a whole bunch of interplay between uh, everybody at the table, which makes it really fun. Yeah, really, really fun. Also, we have a couple of other sweet announcements. One of the oh, things yeah. we announced in that episode is that we have a brand new Life Total app that is out right now. It's called... Life Linker. We designed it. It's absolutely free to download, and you can get it right now on the App Store for both iPhone and Android. We wanted to make sure that, again, we're including as many people as possible. Here, take a look right here. So one of the things about the Life Total app is that we've we've contacted a lot of other magic content creators. And so one of the things you can do with the app is you can change the background, and if you can see it here, um, to get the logos from certain content creators. Now, the way that you're gonna find the app, first of all, is download it off the uh, Android App Store or the Apple App Store. It's, it's available on both. And it's totally free to download. It's and called Life Linker. It's called Life Linker. And each of the logos that you wanna unlock, you contact that content creator and they can give you a code to redeem. Yeah. And once you redeem that code, you have unlocked their logo as a possible background for the app. Now, some things on the app do cost a one-time small fee of 99 cents, such as colored backgrounds and a few other small features, but the the LifeToll app totally works for free and you can unlock the logos for free. And each content creator is gonna be in charge of how they wanna give out their code to unlock their logo. So they might give it away on their stream. Yep. They might uh, put it on their Patreon. It's just however they decide to do it. If you are a patron of the show, however, that the means... The Command Zone. Yeah, the Command Zone. That means you get this app fully unlocked, absolutely free, because you've already contributed, presumably, the 99 cents. That's a really good point. If you're a patron of the show and you download LifeLink or do not pay the 99 cents, you're going to be getting a code from us to unlock it fully. Um, it, you, it will not unlock the logos from the other content creators, though. The, we can't even do that ourselves. You have to get the codes from them. Yeah, it's fun. It's like a collect-em-all adventure. And uh, honestly, this is just... It's a life app. It's it's great. It's super simple. Uh, it would mean a ton for us for you to support it. And leave a comment as well, like a rating on the iTunes store so oh, that yeah. more people can see it. Uh, Reviewing this is, it on the iTunes store or the or the Android app store is a yeah. great way to support the show. But it's just something we wanted to give to everybody because when we did game nights, I mean, geez, so many comments were like, what's that life total app you're using? Yeah. So we were like, let's make our own and let's make one that reflects the community of Magic as well. There's a bunch of apps out there, but none of them are going to have customizable backgrounds. And we want to bring everyone together so that, you know, you can rep your favorite creator on this page. So, so far we've got, uh, we've got Telerian Community College, MTA Cast, The Masters of Modern, Wedge from the Mana Source, Commander and the Commander's Brew Podcast, uh, Loading Ready Run, Limited Resources, Newmont Gaming, Kenji Agashera. SG Doc, The Magic Man Sam, Brainstorm Brewery, and the list will go on as more creators are added, but these are just a sample of how many different backgrounds you can get. It's going to be a lot of fun to use this, I think, also at game nights. So Yeah, so definitely go out there, ask those content creators how you can get a hold of their code and unlock their logo. One last thing we need to talk about before we get into the main topic, playmat. We have a playmat. It's coming. We've got the samples being printed. Yeah. So probably on the very next episode you're going to get to see the playmat and uh, get a chance to order it. Yeah, that's going to be very exciting. We've released the art already to our patrons so they know what it's going to look like. It looks sweet, I got to say. It looks really sweet, yeah. yeah. And we're, we're going to figure out exactly how we're going to be selling the playmats. We'll probably do some kind of pre-order. We don't want to order, like, for instance, a 1,000 playmats and only have 500 of them bought because that's a lot of money that's going to be lost and we can't guarantee the sale of you know everything. So we're probably going to do some kind of pre-order to gauge how many people want it. Uh, and all of those details will be announced very soon. Another great way to find out the details or be on top of them is to follow us on Twitter at CommandCast, because a lot of those announcements get made there. Totally. All right, let's talk about Neheb. Yes. The Worthy, which is our preview card. You know the name, but you haven't seen the card yet. Very exciting. So Neheb the Worthy is quite an interesting card. Let's break it down. Neheb the Worthy, one black and a red for a legendary creature, Minotaur Warrior. So it's a legendary Minotaur. Very exciting. It's a 2-2 with first strike. Other Minotaurs you control have first strike. As long as you have one or fewer cards in hand, Minotaurs you control get plus two, plus zero. And whenever Neheb the Worthy deals combat damage to a player, each player discards a card. 
That's a lot of text. That is a lot of text. That's four different things that are all very relevant. I'll say that the reason we know a few of the other cards in addition to this spoiler card, which is ours, uh, ahead of time is because Watsi actually worked with us to give us some of the legendary creatures from Amonkhet to use on the next episode of Game Nights, which is going to be coming out uh, earlier than you would expect. And so we were all building around one of these legendary creatures. Uh, we can't talk about all three of them. We can only talk about two because one's not spoiled yet. Mm-hmm. But Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons, uh, and Temet, Vizier of Noctamun. Noctamun. Jeez, I didn't know how to say that. Um, <laughs> were two of the other ones. And... And I'll say that when we were given the four cards, again, we can't mention the fourth one, and I looked at the text on Neheb, I was like, man, there's a couple, few different ways to go with this commander. And when, when it was sort of assigned to you, Jimmy, I was like, I don't know which way, because you can go Minotaur Tribal, you can really mm-hmm. lean into the discard part of it. Yeah, and that actually leads to the second part of our episode analysis, which is how do you build in the dark? So how do you start building around the commander when there's very little to go off of? Usually this happens when a new card is announced or a new set is shown and a new legendary creature is shown with a new mechanic. For instance, Temet has Embalm. So is that a mechanic that you can build around as a commander? And it's really tough because there's no real other places to get information from. Uh, unless similar deck types have been built in the past. Yeah, like EDH Rec doesn't have a million decks about that commander yet because it just came out, so nobody's built decks with that commander. Yeah. Yeah, and so you can't go on there and find whatever other cards people are using, so you're kind of on your own. I actually really like it because it harkens back to the early days of Magic before the internet existed, and you were just like, I don't know, i got to put this card in there because I think it's good. I don't have any information about what other people think. Yeah, exactly. So that is today's episode. We are building around the Heb the Worthy and also discussing this card uh, in general for EDH as a whole. So let's talk about building around the commander when you go off of. First is you sort of have to make decision points, right, before you build around any commander. What kind of deck are you trying to build or what kind of deck just interests you in general? So let's analyze Neheb the Worthy. Uh, first Strike. So he's a 2-2 with First Strike for three mana. So immediately, if you could think like, all right, we could go a combat build, we could make this a Voltron deck and something that's very damage-based. You might want to put like Death Touch on it somehow because that makes it almost impossible to block or impossible to attack through. Yep. Uh, and then the second line of text, other Minotaurs you control have First Strike. So now you can be thinking, all right, now we can go Tribal. Now we can maybe make a token deck, or we can go wide if we can make a lot of other Minotaurs because all of a sudden this is a lord for all of our Minotaurs, not in a plus one, plus one way, but it makes them all have First Strike, which is pretty relevant. Uh, the third line of text, as long as you have one or fewer cards in hand, Minotaurs you control get plus two, plus zero. So I think this is where it starts to get really interesting, where it's like before, if you just took the first two lines, it's like, okay, it seems like the only direction you can go with this is just straight tribal, right? because uh, that's the most power level you have here. But all of a sudden, it's saying, and now as long as you have one or fewer cards in hand. So you need to accomplish something before you sort of flip this switch and it's on. So, so it's, it's sort of telling you, like, you, well, you want to get down to a few cards in your hand. Yeah, and this includes Neheb himself. So he becomes a 4-2 with first strike when you have one or fewer cards in hand. Now, th- for a commander player, I'm like, I never want to have one or fewer cards in hand. <laughs> no. Um, but this says to me, like, okay, maybe you have a discard theme or a graveyard theme in your deck, uh, and you're also still looking to go wide with other Minotaurs. And that's when the last line of text, I think, is the most important here. It's whenever Neheb deals combat damage to a player, each player discards a card. So this turned from a Voltron commander to a control commander all of a sudden. In well, it, it says to me that, like, if Minotaurs you control are going to get plus two, plus oh, if you have one or fewer cards in hand, that sounds bad. But then if you sort of recalibrate your game, your brain and go, yeah, but what if everybody has one or few cards in their hand? Then, oh, then that's not so bad. And then yeah. what if I can actually use the cards in my graveyard so they kind of count as if they're in my hand because I can still use them? Yep. And that kind of, yeah... That kind of leads you down a good plan, I think. Yeah, and black and red are both great colors for using the graveyard. Obviously, there are a lot of discard effects in both, as well as graveyard recursion effects in both. So that's why I think the deck is most interesting. Uh, and so at this point, it's like, all right, now time to make a, make a decision. What do you want to do with this deck? And I was going to be playing against three other cards. I knew what the legendary commanders were uh, when we filmed Game Nights. So in my head, I'm thinking, if I go straight Minotaur Tribal, I just die. I lose to board wipes. I lose to big blockers. I lose to a lot of different things. Also, Minotaurs as a tribe don't feel like they're robust enough that that deck's going to just be innately powerful because 
really off the top of your head, can you name like 10 really good Minotaurs? You can do that for elves. <laughs> yeah. You can probably do that for merfolk, maybe even goblins. But Minotaurs, you're like, really like, I don't even know. Yeah. Like you're going to end up playing some just two threes for, for three mana, right? Like if you want to, <laughs> there's not like a ton. We also didn't know the rest of the set, and I'm sure there are a few, and we still don't know the rest of the set as of the recording of this episode. I'm sure there are a few great Minotaurs in the set, but yeah, Josh is right. Like for elves, you can name off so many different cards. Elvish Archruid is a great card. You know, there's a bunch of different elves that do great things. Um, and co- of course, cards like Guy's Cradle. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I had to make a decision, and my decision was I want to focus on the each player discarding a card part of this. And uh, at that point, I was like, all right, time to make a plan and time to build the deck. Yeah, this is really important to restate what you said, which is that upon building of this deck and the other decks for Game Nights, these were the only cards we knew from Amonkhet. Now, some have been revealed since, and not very many at this point that we're recording. And at the time you're listening, a lot more have been added yep. to the spoilers that we know about from Amonkhet. And there's a really good chance there's a few cards in there that you would put in this deck. So certainly that caveat add the good cards from Amonkhet in addition to what we're going to talk about yeah and you get a more vorthosi deck too um now neheb is worthy of a build so the plan i made for this deck is neheb wants to do some combat damage and also make everyone discard cards the deck is aiming to be more control oriented play a longer value-based game by pumping out a lot of mana because we're in black disrupting people's hands and then utilizing its own graveyard as well as opponent's to win the game. Oh, utilizing opponent's graveyard is a really smart way to go here, too, because you're making everybody discard, right? So, right. yeah, I like and that. And the other big thing is the reason that you want to play a longer game is because making people discard is, like, near the top of the list in terms of things people don't like happening it's true. to them Well, and it's also commander. one of the top things that's likely to make a game go long. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> no one can do stuff at a certain point. They're like, well, I top deck, well, land, go. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is, like, people are going to be gunning for you, and this happened when we recorded the episode, too. As soon as you make someone discard a card, it's like, hey, I'm coming I don't for like you. that. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that at all. I don't <laughs> want that ever to happen again. I'm going to let you know I don't like that by trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So before we break down the deck, we have the deck list, by the way, in the show notes below. Uh, by the time this comes out, hopefully I can actually put Neheb as the commander. Right now, I actually have another legendary Minotaur up there. It's Mogus, <laughs> God of Slaughter. It's actually, yeah. When it's I very saw fitting. That, yeah. My deck has, like, I don't know, Gerard or something. Like, yeah. It's just not related <laughs> at all, but I just needed those colors. Um, oh, we should go into our favorite stack section. Stats. So, Mana Ramp. There are four Artifact Mana Rampers, and the more important Mana Ramp in this deck is, because you're in black, you have a lot of Swamp Doublers. So there are three effects in the deck that just double the amount of mana you get when you tap a land for a Swamp. These are so good. They're the, uh, so Cabal powerful. Coffers and the Crypt Gas of the world. And yep. very good, I think, as long as you're either in mono black or dual colored. Once you get to three, it's tougher. You have to yeah. have reliable ways to go find Urborg to keep those in the deck at that point. Exactly. Uh, card draw, there's a little low I, when I look past it again. Uh, there's only five of them however three of them are wheel effects which makes everyone discard so that is sort of the uh, if you guys remember our building a commander template deck what would you ca- classify a wheel effect in this deck as card draw for sure especially draw, it's almost double the, the card enabler draw. yeah yeah enable i think card draw is almost always enablers because yeah well, yeah literally it, isn't it enabler. doesn't do anything you have to draw a card that then does something but I think that wheel effects are doubly good in a deck like this because the cards you discarded don't actually leave your hand quote-unquote, because you still probably have access to a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Recursion. This number was pretty high. There are 11 different ways to get stuff out of graveyards or opponents' graveyards. Uh, Single target removal, four, and board wipes, five. That's pretty on track, and I would actually say that recursion is similar to card draw in a deck that wants to be putting stuff in the bin and recurring it, because... Again, that's going to sort of draw you cards. It's just not drawing from your library. It's drawing from your graveyard. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the deck has a lot of recursion abilities, but a lot of them are I tried to make as flexible as possible. So a card at like Profane Command, for instance, one of Magic's potentially one of the best mono black cards ever printed. Um, I don't see it that much in Commander uh, because I think it's a little more limited, but in a deck like this, this card is just very powerful. It's super. I remember this from... uh, MM 2015 yeah. draft. It was like one of the best cards. It's black, black, and X for a sorcery. You choose two. So it's on the command cycle, like Crypto Command, where you, you have four options, but you can only choose two of them. Target player loses X life, so you just fireball somebody. Return target creature card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Mm. 
Target creature gets negative X, negative X until end of turn, or up to X target creatures gain fear until end of turn. And fear just means they can't be blocked except by black creatures and, and or artifact creatures. So you sort of can kill a creature and bring another one back into play, you know, or dome somebody for a certain amount and give all your creatures sort of unblockable depending on their colors, which can be very powerful. Profane Command can often be like, I hit you for 10, then I attack you and my guys are unblockable and that finishes you off, that kind of thing. Yeah, and in a deck with a lot of Swamp Doublers, sometimes you can just take someone from a very high life total all the way down to zero with a Profane Command out of nowhere. So that's why the card is obviously very good. There's also cards like Rise of the Dark Realms and Living Death, and both of these are game winners but they're also recursion things that work you know on a big wide scale like rise of the dark realms can be good and it can also just win the game like insurrection can sometimes it just gets you like four creatures other times it would just shut the game down other times gray merchants in there and then you just win i've (laughs) I've died that many times yeah for sure um so the, the deck wants to clear the board a few times fill up graveyards either by making people discard or just like letting people build stuff up and then doing a board wipe and then you want to play large beaters that can sort of take over the game by utilizing all of this stuff. So let's break down the different categories of how the Neheb the Worthy deck works and also why I built it this way, going into a blind atmosphere, not knowing what I was going to be going against, really. Uh, ramp. So Expedition Map is a very special card in this deck because you need it to find Urborg. Uh, it, usually you play Expedition Map if you have like a few sweet targets. In a deck like this, Urborg is just such a good card that you need to grab it immediately if well, you are able to And if to you happen mana. to draw Urborg, then you can go find Cabal Coffers with yep. it. So it does have dual purpose still. Yeah, so Urborg or Cabal Coffers, both ways to essentially guarantee that you're going to be able to pump out, you know, 10 mana by turn 5, essentially. Cryptgast and Magus of the Coffers are both cards that essentially do the doubler thing and uh, uh, for some reason i don't know why black has this ability maybe someone That's, out there can it's just black's form of of ramp right yeah yeah because black black is that color that can sort of do everything it can draw cards it can destroy creatures it can well it can't get rid of enchantments really but it, it has most of the tools it just costs you life or there's a weird way to do it and black is also the sort of most what's the word they're the most devoted to the color black like they want you to yeah. play a lot of swamps they have a lot of things that cost black 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 sort of yeah and cryptgast is great because it also has extort on it which is it dances around the commander color rules and oh yeah because can... it's reminder text and not rules text so a lot of people get this wrong where they think extort is not playable except in a black and white deck but it's actually playable in any deck actually extort doesn't inherently have a color tied to it that that hybrid mana symbol doesn't count towards yeah. uh, its color identity because it's reminder text and not rules text i know it's it's a loophole in the system what do you want yeah i didn't make it up i like loopholes <laughs> uh so another thing that i want to include in the deck and we'll talk about this later is a bit of life gain considering i was going against a lot of combat based decks i mean i don't want commanders. to yeah i don't want to spoil the episode and we're gonna try really hard not to it hasn't come out yet but this is episode six of game nights which is in the works and will be out once the entire set is spoiled mm-hmm. um we didn't mention but we had some cool guests for that episode we had cassius marsh who yeah. is a defensive end for the seattle seahawks and we had Mel Lee, who was formerly of the story team at Wizards of the Coast, where the other two uh, a really good players. Yeah, and I was very surprised with the amount of life you uh, you gained. Did Me I too. just spoil something? I Me might have. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Magus of the Covers and Cryptgas both care about swamps specifically. Uh, they both are essentially doublers. So Magus of the Coffers, you can pay two and tap it to add blacks to your mana pool for each swamp you control. Not as good as Cryptgas, which costs a little less. And just when it says whenever you tap a swamp for mana, add black to your mana pool. But if you have one or both of these out, you can just blow people out with how much mana you can make. So that's kind of the ramp you have in the deck. Crypt of Agdeem is also a very good land in the deck. Enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it to add black to your mana pool. And you can also tap two and tap it to add black to your mana pool for each black creature in your graveyard. So this is one of the ways that benefits, obviously, having you discard your own hand. It has that Nykthos effect almost, where like yeah. at a certain point it just taps for seven or eight, and it's just like your opponent's like, wait, what? Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> that's, that's crazy, man. Um, one card I played in the deck that I didn't get to play, but I'm very interested to see how it works overall. And I think this is the best time to test out these kinds of cards, whereas you've never played the deck before, you want to see if it works, just jam a card in there. Don't like worry about making it the top-tier power level, because you're never going to know otherwise. It's Heartless Summoning. Heartless Summoning is one in a black for an enchantment. It says, creature spells you ca- you cast cost two less to cast. And then it says, creatures you control get negative one, negative one. Oh, this is a really interesting card. Very interesting card. I remember seeing it on your list and thinking, like, this is probably a card that should see more play in general because so many 
so many creatures that you play, you're not playing because of their power and toughness, their utility in some way. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can get them out two turns early is like a huge, a huge thing a huge thing, especially if you're in a deck that's going to go long like yours. Yeah, and the card only costs two mana. It's yeah. one in the black to make every creature spell you cast cost two uh, less, which is pretty crazy because a lot of times you have like the uh, like the dragon speaker shamans that are just only dragons cost two less, and he costs you know three mana, and it's a creature. This is an enchantment. It has the guarantee of probably sticking around for a while, and I think you can definitely build decks around cards like this. Haven't tried it out yet, though. It has the hallmarks of a card that is underrated, like because it has a downside. Right. And those are classically just the types of cards that people are reticent to play because they overestimate the downside and underestimate the upside. Uh, yeah. When I saw it, I was definitely like, I can think of a few decks I might put that into, but I've never thought about it really before. Yeah. All right. The next category of cards is fill the yard. Whoop, whoop. Is that, um, like, is that like stomp the yard? Yeah, kind of like stomp the yard, but you're filling it instead. Okay. All right. Uh, filling the yard just means putting cards into your graveyard. There are a lot of cards that do this uh, in red. Obviously, Magus of the Wheel and Wheel of Fortune are the hallmarks of doing this. There's also Winds of Change and other similar cards. I only chose a few of those. And there's also one of my favorite new Planeswalkers, Chandra Flamecaller. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, so Chandra only affects you. And this is sort of like, I think this is the other careful balance you always have to make, is how many of your cards do you want to have everyone discard? Because if it's way too many of them, then you start, again, pushing the boundary of what people will allow you to do. Sometimes people see Wheel of Fortune, and they're like, thank goodness. I right, went from right. one card to seven, you know? Uh, you rarely get super mad at somebody for casting it. I mean, it can you can be like, no, I had a great hand, but they didn't, like, screw your ability to play the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so... But if you do, like, everybody discards their hand-type cards, yeah. then... Uh, well, that's why the Leovold deck is particularly <laughs> toxic, and people, people don't get like mad. it. Yeah, people get very mad. Hey, when listen, like, I'm not saying don't do it. Do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. I'm just saying you can't do that stuff and then complain when everyone tries to kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kind of set yourself up for that. So Chandra has uh, the her zero ability is discard all of your hand, cards in your hand and draw that many cards plus one. Uh, I think it's just valuable to have repeatable ways to do this as well because if you know you get to activate Chandra two turns in a row, then you're in great position because all of these cards you want in your graveyard are all of a sudden there. And she draws you a card anyway. Even if you don't want them in your graveyard, you just, yeah. you just get an extra card out of it. Chandra also has a minus X to deal X damage to each creature, and her plus makes two tokens. So, like, Chandra is actually a perfect card for this deck because of a card we'll, we'll talk about later on, which is Sadistic Hypnotist. Yeah, that card is good. Yeah, a card that you want to have tokens, discard. That's a Craig Blanchett special right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, another card I'm interested in playing, uh, haven't, didn't get to play it yet, was Combustible Gear Hulk. So this is four red red for a first strike 6-6. Six, six. It was from Kaladesh. And when it enters the battlefield, target opponent may have you draw three cards. If they don't, you put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard, then Combustible Gear Hulk does damage to that player equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. This can just kill people sometimes. Yeah, if you get lucky and just, you know, the top of your library is like three six drops. Yeah, 18 <laughs> damage. Pretty much everybody's going to be like, well, depending on their life total, I suppose. If you're like below 10, you almost have to be like, take the cards. Yeah, you just can't risk it at that yeah, point. But if you're at like 30, you might be like, eh, kind of cavalier about it. Yeah, nah, mill. Because yeah. you might take three damage too. You don't know. So this is one of those cards where the upside is the same. Is better. Is like the downside is sort of you can you can sort of write it off because it's something that your deck already wants to do. And if it works out, you get three cards. Oh yeah, true. If they go into the graveyard, you still kind of drew them. Yeah. So yeah. And it has first strike and it's a six six. So at, at the very least, it's a pretty good blocker. Actually, first strike. Hey, I didn't realize that. I, yeah. du- I doubled up with the theme of Minotaurs. Synergy. Yeah. Except By the way, it's not a Minotaur. It's not a Minotaur. I'm sorry for those of you hoping I made a Minotaur tribal deck. I just will say this. I don't think it would win. <laughs> I think it would come very far from winning. I was 99% sure because, again, we all saw the cards, the four cards, um, and we knew what everybody had picked. And, and, and when you got... Well, Jimmy and I went last. We let everybody pick first. Yeah. And when you got this deck, I was like 90% sure you were going with the discard theme and not the Minotaur theme. Darren Tootin, man. Yeah. I would never. I don't think Because that's ever. what I would do. So I was like, he's going to do the, the quote unquote smart thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another card that I think is really good and I think people don't play enough would be Sidisi Undead Vizier. Also, it's a Vizier, uh, which is... Oh, a, Viziers are yeah, big Viziers on... Yeah, Viziers are uh, everywhere in, yeah. in, uh, in the new set, which yeah. is really interesting. Hapatra and Temet are both Viziers. Yeah. Neheb is not. But he's worthy to become a Vizier? He's trying to. That's why he included one of them in his deck. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the reason that CDC is great is, one, it's a 4-6 death touch for five. It has exploit on it. So when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature, including itself. And when it exploits a creature... You essentially demonic tutor. So it's a five mana uh, find a card. 
If you have a card to sacrifice to this, great. If it's a card you want in the graveyard, even better. If it's a token, cool. If it's a DC yourself, whatever. You still get a card for five mana. So it serves as a sorcery speed five mana demonic tutor at the very least. And the fact that you can recur it is what I think makes it need to go in a lot of decks because you're playing black already and black recurs yeah. creatures out of the graveyard. That's kind of one of the things that it does. So being able to have a recurrable tutor is very strong. We've gotten questions on this in the past. You can definitely ex the creature can definitely exploit itself. Yes, 100%. Yeah. That was part of P oh, the design. I just, we almost always get a comment with somebody that thinks that that's not true. Before you comment, just please Google it. Google will tell you everything, by the way. Yeah. Actually, in general, before, not that we're never wrong, because we are wrong sometimes. I'm never wrong. Just Google it first to make sure that you are right, and yeah. then, you can, then you can tell us we're wrong, because a lot of times I'm like, yep, you, yep, we were wrong. <laughs> we, we, early in the show, we used to make a lot of mistakes, that's for sure. Um, okay, let's talk about some of the more fun ways to reanimate cards from the graveyard. And one of them is just called Reanimate. And this card, I think, is absurdly powerful. So good. It's been going up a you little bit I, in price I, as well. I'll tell the truth. I was very close to putting this card in my deck just because I knew your deck existed. <laughs> and I was like, well, if he, if he hits me on turn you know, four, I could just discard the biggest creature in my hand and reanimate, reanimate it if yeah. I have it. Yeah. I, I decided not to play to my meta that way. Sorry, Reanimate is one black for a sorcery. He says, put target creature card from a graveyard... A graveyard. That's on, why this card is nuts. Yep. Onto the battlefield under your control, and then you lose life equal to its converted mana cost. This is part of a lot of sort of combo-y type decks where they're going to put it that betrays into their graveyard on like turn one and then reanimate it on turn two or, or on turn one if they can. Yeah, the life loss is negligible, I think. The, the fact that it hits everyone's graveyard and a lot of reanimation spells you'll find only target your own because Wizards was like, man, this could be broken if you could just do it to anyone's graveyard. <laughs> yeah, it turns out a spell that only costs one black. That's also another reason that card's really nuts. And we're playing with 40 life. This is often something you'd want to do early in the game. Also, like, how often have you been like, boy, I wish I could play Oracle of Maldaya. Right. Nah, just, uh, yeah, just it. kill yours and take it. Yeah, because someone else might play a Consecrated Sphinx, and that thing's dying immediately. So if you get reanimate something like that, you It are doesn't even cost you that much life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so reanimate obviously is great. Um, I've always wanted to play Ink Eyes, Servant of Oni. Uh, I, I will say Prof inspired I was me to gonna put say, this in my deck. We, You were inspired by the Ninja Pose. Ninja Pose! <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the last episode of the Game Nights, please watch it. Prof has an amazing ninja ninja moment it's, it is great and if you haven't watched the last latest episode of gay nights what's wrong with you what is wrong with you ink guys four black black for a five four with ninjutsu three black black so for three black black you can return an unblocked attacker you control to your hand and then you put this card onto the battlefield tapped and attacking whenever it does combat damage to a player which will almost happen almost always happen if they're not blocking to begin with you can put a target creature card from that player's graveyard under your control it's a lot more limited in scope than reanimate it has to be unblocked is the is the sort of hard part. But here's the thing. Something has to be unblocked. I mean. Neheb is a great person. For a striker. For a striker. Yeah. Very hard to block for a strikers. Um, and if you're trying to be more combat-based, I think Ink Eyes might have a... This is sort of like one of those high-risk, high-reward cards for sure, though. When you pull it off, you feel really cool, though. Yeah, for Kinda sure. Kind of like Prof. Five mana is a lot to spend. Uh, however, it is... You know, there are a few things to set up for it. But I am very interested to see how this kind of card plays out, especially when people hopefully aren't incentivized to block. You can almost always find a position where you know somebody's not going to block you. Yeah. The only problem there's is enough other players so that you can look and find one person that's not in a position to block you. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to get a card from that player's graveyard into your control. So hopefully you've hit them with Neheb once and they're just like, fine, attack me again. I have zero cards in my hand. Oh, ink guys. Coming on in. Uh, Whip of Erebos. This card is very good. Yeah, this card is good. I wish this card was saw more play, honestly. It sees quite a bit. I've seen it out on the field a lot. Um, it's two black black for a legendary enchantment artifact. It says, creatures you control have lifelink. Very important already. Yeah, which is an underrated ability. Uh, honestly, I'd say a lot of people just don't even look at that text, but it, it tends to matter more often than you'd think. But then it has a whole bunch of stuff. Two black black, you tap the Whip of Erebos, and then it says, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else, and then you can only activate this ability as a sorcery. Now, that last part is just so that you can't get into some weird recursion loops yeah, and keep casting the same thing uh, out of your graveyard, but still, it allows you to bring any creature back sort of almost sneak attack style, um, except that it exiles when it leaves. Yeah, however, you can do this to a card like Sidisi, and when it exploits, it'll yep. exile, but you still get the exploit trigger, so yep. you get to find stuff. Sometimes it's just, you know, late game being like, 
I need to gain five life. Hit you in the air with this giant whipped creature. Yep. Anything with enter the battlefield effects, it just allows you to reuse it, get some value off stuff that went to the graveyard that yeah. you sort of basically put there for free anyway. Yeah, sometimes you don't care about reanimating that specific card or whatever, and it doesn't serve a huge purpose for you in the long run. So it's like, all right, I'll just whip it. I'll get an enter the battlefield effect, and I'll do uh, four uh, damage to you and gain four life, and I will whip it good. Whip it good. I noticed that you set me up for that, and I rolled over it. Sorry. You like That's paused. Okay. You just whip it, and then you like looked at me, and I just didn't take it. <laughs> you didn't get whipped. No, <laughs> whip it <laughs> into shape. All right. Shape um, it up. <laughs> Speaking of yeah, cards that you have no idea <laughs> if they're gonna do well or not, I didn't get to play this card either. Hedonist Trove, five black black, seven mana. So again, you've noticed that Inkai's and both Hedonist Trove are very high up in the mana cost, but high risk, high reward. It's an enchantment from uh, Dragons of Tarkir. When Hedonist Trove enters the battlefield, exile all cards from opponent's graveyard. You may play land cards exile with Hedonist Trove. That's what interests me. And you also may cast non-land cards exile with Hedonist Trove. You can't cast more than one spell this way each turn. Now, you got to realize that it doesn't let you spend mana as though it were mana of any color. So right. you can only cast the spells that you have the color to cast. But you're right. Once you've had people discard and you wield maybe a couple times... And then you just play this, and you're playing their lands as if they were your lands. And yeah, now you can, you can start casting their spells. You can play a land and cast a spell from their yeah. thing. You can do only one once a turn. But if you're making people discard the entire game, chances are they're going to be discarding lands over spells in general. Yep. Uh, so Hedonist Trove sort of has that major upside where sometimes... And here's the other thing. like They could discard a card like Karn. You know, or a colorless. A card. lot of times, that's what people discard is lands or really expensive stuff because it's it, you know if it's in the middle of the game or early game, they're like, well, I can't cast this card for a while anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. So hedonist trove, big risk, big reward. I honestly didn't remember that card existed, but it seems good. It seems good. Seven mana is a lot, and obviously, I mean, I think this would this would work very well in like a send triplets deck as well because oh, yeah. you're trying to make you know you're you're putting in the city of brasses and all your other cards that can tap for any colors of mana. Your chromatic lanterns, your chromatic and such. lanterns, yeah. yeah. Actually, that that is a reason to potentially put chromatic lantern in a two color deck if you're running Hedonist Trove. Yeah, I don't know if it's that worth it. Just find somebody that's playing black and or red. Yeah, it's true. All right. Those are play it from the graveyard cards. Let's talk about long term planning, and this is something that I usually don't do when I build decks. I usually Isn't build that decks a card long term plans. Actually, yeah, card. <laughs> in general, when I build decks, I'm usually just like, eh, if it doesn't win, it doesn't win. Like my Marchesa deck has zero ways to gain life because it's just like whatever. I don't want to be on the throne ever. And a lot of times, I'm like at two life and being like, boy, I wish I had Kakushio in this deck. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I wish I'd thought about the future. Yeah. Uh, so nah, long you're term, so red to the core. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't am. think about the future. Well, that's why I was so surprised that I put these three cards in my deck. <laughs> so the first is Exquisite Blood. Um, now, this is, yeah, famously part of a, a, a combo, but you don't have the full combo. In I there. don't have the full combo in here because that's lame. Uh, I just have Exquisite Blood, which is it's a five. Not lame. Hey, if you want to do it, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm gonna try and kill you every time first. Though, oh yeah, because yeah. you might do that. But anyway, and then they ping you for one. It's just game over. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean every time they play that deck from now on, I will try oh, and kill I see, them I first because yeah, I know yeah. that might happen. But gotcha. Yeah. Exquisite Blood, four in the black and enchantment. Whenever an opponent loses life, you gain that much life. This is an innocuous card, I think. Um, if well, people don't know yeah, what they're doing, if you're sort of new to EDH, yeah. But Even if you're not new to EDH and people don't swing at you, all of a sudden you're just gaining life out of nowhere. Yeah, because when they hit each other, you gain life. It doesn't matter how they lost life. When they play a shock land, you gain life, I yeah. believe. Yeah, every time the opponent loses life. it's um, That card's very powerful. And also it just can never sit there on the battlefield because you just can't trust people that they don't have the uh, Sanguine Bond, which is the other part of the combo, which I won't read because you either know it or you don't need to know it. <laughs> or you'll find out when you die to it. <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> this card... Again, no spoilers, but this card can do some work. Yeah. It is Sangromancer. I was really impressed with this card, uh, actually. I think I've it, always been impressed with this card anytime someone plays it. It feels like it. anybody plays it, and then for some reason I never put it in the pile of cards that need to go in my deck, but I should, because yeah. every time somebody gains a bunch of life off of it, and it just oh, it way overperforms. It's two black black. Sorry, I'll read the card name again. Sangromancer, two black black. Creature, vampire, shaman. It's a 3-3 three, three with flying. Deese. Whenever a creature an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may gain three life. Whenever an opponent discards a card, you may gain three life. Hey, so here you go. You have a deck that's playing a lot of board wipes and a lot of discard effects. Yep. So Sangramancer, even if she dies to the board wipe, you gain all of that life instead. If you're playing like a token deck that is trying to sacrifice tokens for mana, you're just... Gaining a ton of life. And just think of your like normal turn eights and nines. There's often like ten creatures out. 
Yeah. You know, and then somebody often board wipes or something, and then you just gain 30 life in those scenarios. Not to mention if people are just sort of chipping at each other and getting rid of stuff, and you're just slowly, slowly gaining three life here, six life there. Yeah, this card does work. Yeah, it does work, and it does it in a very sort of secretive way, I guess, because, like, you, you know, you're just like, I gained three life. And we're just like, yeah, whatever. You're like, I gained three life. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Soon you've gained 50 life or whatever, and people are like, oh, crap, maybe we have to waste and then removal spell on Sanger Mantra, yeah. yeah. It's also a 3-3 flyer for four, so it's not like one of these utility creatures that's completely worthless on the battlefield. In fact, often just having a flyer is powerful enough with the rest of the effect to make it worth it. Um, Yeah, I I don't know why I don't play this card more. Yeah, why don't you play this card more? I guess I don't play black that much. Yeah, true. Actually, I would say black and red, uh, while they do form part of my favorite color combination in Grixis, are often not found together in my decks outside of Marchesa. All right, another card that's good for long-term planning. A command zone favorite. Basilisk Kitchen table caller. fables. Woo! The weirdest-looking caller that gives death touch and lifelink for whatever reason. Okay, let me just tirade here really quick. The basilisk didn't have death touch because death touch wasn't invented yet. Right. And so I don't know why the basilisk caller... And it has nothing to do with lifelink. So why the hell does it give lifelink? I don't know. I, I it, Nothing makes sense about this card to me other than the fact that it is a one-drop artifact equipment that gives Death Touch and Lifelink and equips for two. This is just a card, and, you know, I've, I've played against this now in Limited because of Modern Masters, and oh, it is absurd yeah. because it just makes sure that you can always trade with whatever's coming at you because of Death Touch. If you put this on your commander with Death Touch and First Strike, it's even better. It's basically unblockable. Unblockable and a very good blocker. Well, and it's a card you... You don't want them to block. Yeah. Because you want it to discard cards. Yeah, and the fact that it's, you know, just one mana to play and two to equip is a little bit on the higher side if you want to talk about pure, you know, it's no it's no skull clamp. But, but what is? But what is? It's no Swiftfoot boots, I guess, too. But yeah, Basilisk Caller is the kind of card that, again, like Sangromancer, can end up doing a ton of work over the game, both by stopping blockers, stopping attackers, and just gaining you life incidentally. And being able to re-equip it for that cheap of a cost is very important as well. Because sometimes you swing with something, hit them, gain some life, switch it over to another creature, and now all of a sudden they are not attacking you back. I will also note that I noticed one of the few Minotaurs you have on the deck is that Minotaur Pinger. A Naba Shaman, yes. yes. It is a Pinger. So if you put a Basilisk Collar on a Pinger, which a Pinger is what we call anything that taps to deal one damage, to something you ping it something for one either mm-hmm. target creature or player well if you give that thing death touch then it just taps to kill stuff which is pretty decent a nava shaman yeah cross synergy yeah cross o- synergy overlap a minotaur that is a pinger and this is definitely old I magic was, yeah i was very happy to see that because it's a tim it's yeah. a minitim minitim throw up the horns all right uh now of course any deck needs Wait. this category hook em horns hook em that's how you do it right yeah longhorns right UT? I can't believe I just did that in, on, in public. You just change it to the shotgun and you're okay. <laughs> no, because you use the thumb. Right? You go like that. Uh, hook him. Good man, or, or uh, Magic <laughs> Man Sam, I know, because he's a Texas guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's end the game. Ending the game is very important. Make sure you know. put this category into all your decks, by the way. It's <laughs> but, really annoying when people don't have, uh, you know, they can't win. Well, I mean, sometimes they just sit and waffle around for a while. Yeah. And it's like, cool, we all played Magic. Yeah. Magic's a fun game. Am I dead yet? Can you kill us all, please? Please, yeah. Please kill us all. Geth, Lord of the Vault. I've wanted to build... So the reason, part of the reason I made this a discard deck is I've been wanting to build a Geth deck for a long time, which is a mono-black commander. And I finally saw in the head, I was like, you know what? I can make my dreams come true and add a little red in there. So really, I'm... It's I'm, all your dreams. All my dreams. Geth, Lord of the Vault. Very interesting card. Four black black for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature zombie. No minotaurs in this deck, really. He has Intimidate. What does Intimidate do again? Intimidate is you can only be blocked by creatures that share a color with you. So only black creatures could block Geth. Between Intimidate, Shadow, and Fear, I think they just need to figure out a way to make it all one keyword. Good luck. All right, so for X and a black... Put target artifact or creature card with converted mana cost X from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control, tapped. Then that player puts the top X cards of his or her library into her graveyard, his or her graveyard. So once you have a ton of mana, all of a sudden you're grabbing Gilded Lotuses, you're grabbing Eldrazi that don't shuffle away, and you're making them mill even more cards, which means that person is another juicy target for the next time you get to use Geth. Geth is a very good deck all by itself, for sure. Yeah, and you can actually use this ability multiple times in the turns. For two mana, you can take a Soul Ring. 
right? And then you have more mana to do other stuff with. It comes into play tapped, however. So there is a little downside to that, but you can also end step this. So you can untap and use that mana for something else. It's an extremely powerful card. It also doesn't have the text. You only control that stuff until Geth leaves play. So you just right. get that stuff. And they can kill Geth all they want. After that, you still have the stuff. Yeah. But so many times, the most important creatures get thrown to the bin, and you just want them back. And Geth is a way to get artifacts, too, which is really crazy. So you can that's that's the main thing is like another thing I think that some people will throw away early in the game when they're discarding is like I'm not gonna play this Guild of Lows forever. Yeah. It's a five mana artifact. Maybe I'll get back, get it back some other way, or I have other ways of ramping, you know, like that's not the kind of game I need to play right now. Yeah, and a, a powerful artifacts tend to get destroyed and powerful creatures tend to get destroyed. So they just tend to go to the graveyard, like you said, consecrated sphinx. That's probably gonna get killed. Yeah. You know, you hope it Hopefully might get exiled. Exiled, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Rise of the Dark Realms is probably, it's the Insurrection of the deck without playing Insurrection. Seven Black Black, put all creature cards from all graveyards from onto the battlefield under your control. <laughs> Seems good, especially when you've made everybody discard and stuff. Yeah, and nine mana honestly isn't that hard to get to in this deck. And honestly, just going Damnation into that, you know, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, next card. This card's cool. Yeah, this uh, card's really cool. And I knew in the, the, um, the, the game that we were playing, that it was just going to do so much work. Yeah, spoiler alert, he does get this card out. I won't let you know how um, how it goes, but it's Balthor the Defiled. <laughs> two black black for a 2-2 zombie dwarf legend. It says minion creatures get plus one, plus one. <laughs> then you can pay black, 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 and exile Balthor. Then each player returns all black and all red creature cards from his or her graveyard to the battlefield. So well, you, all your creatures are black or red, and you might kind of let a few people get a few things back, but in general, they're not going to maximize it. That or you've already stolen them. Yeah, so you might have, with Geth, you've already sort of picked them out of there. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, black, 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 get everything back. Uh, this is just like one of those great late game plays where everyone's like, finally, this person's out of gas, and you play Balthor, and you're like, I have all the black mana in the world, as well as every black creature in my graveyard. I can pump out a ton of mana thanks to my other lands. It's just like, boom. Yeah, this is a very good card. I'd say in basically any Rakdos deck that has creatures. Yeah, Just because sure. the value is so high. Um, the oh, other way to yeah. end the game, oh, yeah. and this is a card that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, is Sadistic Hypnotist. This may, this might be one of the most powerful cards in black. It's a three black black for a two two creature minion. That's why so, it's so powerful. And yeah, now it's a Balthar, three three. We make it a three three. Jeez. It says sacrifice a creature. Target player discards two cards from his or her hand. You can play this ability only anytime you could play a sorcery. So, two cards. Two cards for Oof. one of your creatures. You sacrifice it, and you. It doesn't tap the Sadistic Hypnotist. It doesn't cost any mana, so you can just empty people's hands if you have enough creatures. It's very, very powerful to just be able to play Sadistic Hypnotist on your turn, and if they don't respond to it right away, you just go, you have no hand, you have no hand, you have no hand. Yeah, and you're going to want to set that up a number of different ways. So one of them is Endric Sar, Master Breeder, uh, four and a black for a 2-2. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you put X, 1-1 one, one black throw creature tokens onto the battlefield where X is that spell's converted mana cost. And as soon as you have seven or more throws, you have to sacrifice Endric Sar. But this is fuel for a card like Sadistic yep. Hypnotist. Same with Chandra Fire, uh, Flamecaller is a great way to fuel a Sadistic Hypnotist. Um, Pawn of Ulamog is also another card you can use. Yeah, this is a great one. It's one black black for a 2-2 Vampire Shaman. Whenever Pawn of Ulamog or another non-token creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may put a 0-1 colorless Eldrazi spawn creature token onto the battlefield. It's one of those tokens that you can sacrifice for one mana. Yeah. So you sack a creature, make somebody discard two cards. That puts a token into play, which you sacrifice to make them discard two cards. And each creature you have that's not a token will basically be able to be sacked twice. Twice, yeah. Yeah, that gets into the situation where you're. it's pretty easy at that point to make everybody sack their or uh, discard their entire hands. Yeah, totally. Um, another card that I wanted to use, uh, maybe I did use it, maybe I didn't. From under the floorboards, because you're discarding a card when your Neheb hits someone, Madness all of a sudden is a very relevant ability. So under the floorboards is oh, really three black point. black, and for three black black, you put three two two zombie creatures on the battlefield and you gain three life. But it also has madness for X and a black black. If you discard this card, you can discard it into exile, and then when you do, you can cast it for its madness costs. So if its madness cost was played, you put X tokens onto the battlefield tapped, and you gain X life. So late in the game, you could put on you know twelve two two zombies onto the battlefield, and gain, gain twelve, 12 life, life yeah. and then have all the fuel that you need either to swing out at someone the next turn or use a card like Sadistic Hypnotist 
So token generation is really good. Also pairs really well with a card like Westvale Abbey, which is also in the deck. So lots of different ways to sort of utilize these tokens as fuel. Um, and, you know, at the very least, Pond of Ulamog is still great because it just ramps you in case someone does a board wipe or something. Yep. Or of not, Ulamog, not a board wipe, sorry, yeah. Pond of Ulamog is just a good card. Yeah, yeah it's it, single removal. Board, board wipe. No, it goes on. The, doesn't it go on the stack? No, because it dies. Everything dies. And then all those triggers happen. Ding, 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 ding. And oh, they come right. back out. So um, Madness is actually a really good idea. Because you're going to discard off Neheb, so there's yeah. not a ton of like really powerful EDH Madness cards, but the few that there are are a good idea. Yeah. All right, so now that you know what sort of the deck does in a nutshell, let's ask the questions that are important to the question, how do you build in the dark? Which is, the first is like, how does it play? So obviously the first thing you have to do with these decks is play test them to figure out what works and what doesn't. If your giant Rise of the Dark Realms is even going to work in your meta, or if you're going to be able to cast that Ninja of the Deep Hours. Well, I, I got a question... For you, because I sort of screwed this part of it up, I think, which mm -hmm. is before you even play the first time, because I think, I think everybody's done this, right? You build your deck, and then you're not sh you're gonna bring it to Commander Night or whatever. Yeah. But you you don't want it to be horrible, but you don't really you're trying to figure out how good it is. Yeah. And you know one of the tools you have is to go online and put on Tapped Out or something and draw random cards. Uh, draw a sample hands. sample hands or yeah. just goldfish it at home, which is what I like to do um, to get a feel for it. But how do you judge based on that how good the deck is? It's almost impossible to. I mean, certain decks, I think, are better at it than others. But decks like this, where you're sort of part of your game plan is predicated on making other people discard their hands, it's very hard to goldfish that part of it. Like, if you're just a yeah. deck that's going to just, like, make a bunch of tokens and not interact with your opponents that much, well, you can tell, like, usually by turn X, I have this many tokens out. Like, or usually I'm not drawing my token generators or I'm not drawing enough ramp, and you can fix those things. But yeah. for a deck like this, like, how do you even come to those conclusions? Well, there's a couple of things you can tell, which is is this going to make it work with itself? So am I going to be able to reanimate stuff from my own graveyard if I play this deck correctly? Oh, that's and, good point. You, know, you can play, you know, let's say you have Neheb on turn three. It's like turn four. Okay, I can put him with a Basilisk Caller. I assume I'll be able to hit someone with it and discard this card out of my hand. But the big thing is like really figuring out if the ratio of your synergies is balanced. So it's like, do I have way too many recursion spells and I'm drawing too many of those? Am I not drawing enough discard outlets? Right, or am I drawing a ton of discard but I can't actually recur anything? Or yeah. am I, yeah, I can recur anything but I can't get anything in there. That's yep. a good point. Yeah, so there's like a little bit of a mixture here figuring out what ratio works. And that's the thing I think you can test the most, which is like you draw your hand and you can play it out. And you can just be like, let's say out of a four-player game, one person will reasonably have something in their graveyard that can reanimate. All right, with that in mind, is my hand set up that I can do it reasonably always or is this just not happening? Mm -hmm. um, another big question to ask is what is next? So after you are able to take this out and not just play it and goldfish it with yourself, it's like a time, good time to revisit the big questions. Like, is it a good strategy in my meta to be able to reanimate stuff out of other people's graveyards, or is everyone playing a Narset deck and it doesn't and it's just bad? Right. There's just no creatures that they're ever going to discard, or not yeah. very many, not enough. I can't count on like what you said. Did you find that the Wheel of Fortune effects were good card draw, but they didn't do exactly what you wanted them to do? So you actually need to put real card draw in there. Or did you find there were certain cards that you just couldn't find a spot to cast, so it was, like, sitting in your hand? Right. And it's, like, one of those cards that looks good on paper, but you realize, like, you know, I played a couple of games with it, and that card was just very hard for me to use. You Sometimes you don't have to go too far into analyzing why. You can just be like, what, that card? I just remember looking at it and thinking, like, it's I can't play this card, um, you know, right now. And not that it's not good on paper. It's just that in practice, for whatever reason. You know, a lot of times that's yeah. just because, well, it ends up that it caught, that thing costs five mana. And I do want that effect, but it's yeah. just too hard to pay five mana for it or whatever. Yeah, like Hedonist Trove. It's a seven mana spell, and if someone doesn't have a graveyard to even do it to, then what are you doing with that card in your deck, you know? Right. Um, and here's another thing that is good to keep in mind is like, what decisions are you going to make about the deck afterwards and how, how much time are you actually going to spend remaking the deck or switching out cards and stuff? This is where I would recommend if, you know, it's a really expensive card that you don't want to buy, test it out with a proxy and then decide whether or not you're going to buy it. And obviously player groups are all going to see this differently, but I think for the most part, you can reasonably say like, I don't want to pay X number of dollars for this card if I'm not actually going to play it in the deck. So I'm going to try it out for a few times and then pull the trigger if I need to. Yeah, I like that. And I think most playgroups should be okay with the fact that, like, I just built this deck and this card's sort of not necessarily great in it. I'm not sure. And maybe it is. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm not, it's not that I'm not going to purchase it. It's just that I want to make sure I really want it before I do. Yeah. Especially if it's expensive. I mean, if it's a 50 cent card, <laughs> that's, a di that's different. 
So I've only gotten to play this deck once, but it was very apparent to me how important life gain was in the deck. Um, not just because of how that game played out, but more because of the aggro that you draw from making people discard. Um, I think I need to reduce the amount of recursion and put in a little more sustenance, and that just might mean more creatures or more ways to stop more people. More standalone, less enablers. Yeah, more standalone, exactly. You guys should definitely check out that episode, 151, I believe, or 150. The, the template episode, yeah, yeah. 151. Um, and I also, the big thing I realized is I need to revisit the land base of the deck because there are just too many non-basics in there. So and you my, need swamps. You need swamps if you're going to be playing Crypt Gas and all those cards. And you can't get too fancy with all of the utility lands you have. And the you know Reliquary Tower was a card that I immediately took out because I was like, wait a second. This I'm is, discarding cards. I'm discarding cards. Yeah. Why do I have... Yeah, but it's one of those cards where I was always like, oh, you should always put this in the commander deck. Right. Um, so... The big thing is, like, gauging the reaction and making people discard in the game was really good. It's going to make me revisit parts of the deck. Um, like, I think it draws too much immediate hate, and if you can't set it up where you play Sadistic Hypnotist and then proceed to win the game, you have to make sure that you are able to plan around that. Otherwise, you're just going to die. You're just going to die so hard to everyone being like, all right, everything is coming at you. You navigated that fairly well, so... I got lucky, yeah, yeah because yeah. you attacked me. I was like, oh, No please. spoilers, no spoilers. Oh, yeah, we're, no not spoilers gonna, we're not going to We're not going to say how it ended, but... Only spoilers that Josh attacked me at some point. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> maybe more than once, maybe just once. Quite Who knows? a few times. Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, spoiler okay. alert, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, to the listeners, uh, I want to know what your first blind builds were. Did you buy a pre-con and build it out of nowhere when they first came out? Or were, are you someone that was like, and offends of the foremost, I'm going to make a deck out of this, and you bought it, and you immediately built it as soon as the set came out without really having much else to go off of? And also what your strategies are for blind building or building in the dark or for your meta. Yeah, one of the things I like to do is go to EDH Rec and try and find some similar stuff. So what I might have done is gone on EDH Rec and looked at like cards like Sire of Insanity maybe, which I know is going to go yep. in a deck that wants everybody to discard everything, and just kind of sift through the cards that are also in decks with Sire of Insanity and see which sort of discard stuff. Or uh, Waste Knot is another one I know you do have in your deck. Which Finally got to play that card in the deck. Yeah, which definitely has to do with discard. And so you know that if that card's in a deck, regardless of who the commander is, then it's going to sort of be along similar lines. And, th and that's one of the... I think we've talked about this in the past, but that's mm -hmm. one of the strategies I like to utilize. Fortunately for me, I could just actually look up uh, Mogus, God of Slaughter, because it's a legendary Minotaur. <laughs> you can find all the Minotaurs. Yeah. All those two three th for three. Listen... People are going to get mad because there's probably some good Minotaurs out there. I just there's don't like, think they're... There's like four. Yeah, I don't think... It's not very <laughs> right deep. Now, at least Once you me. get past the like top five Minotaurs, you just... At that point, you're, you're into some pretty janky stuff. So... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, hey, jank can be fun. Just do whatever... Again, this is the whole point of building in the dark. Choose the direction you want to go for and then go for it. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. You know what makes me happy? When people use our affiliate link and they go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and Makes they me order happy too. their cards that way and they support the command zone podcast. Uh, we really love it when you guys do that. So we appreciate it. Amonkhet, it's almost out. You can pre-order. You want to get these new gods. Oh, holy oh, cow. Yeah. So, so today, as we're recording, uh, the first god from Amonkhet was spoiled and... I think it would be good in this deck. 100% would be good yeah. in this deck. It is Hazaret the Fervent. Fervent. Who is uh, a jackal, by the way, not a cat. Don't make that mistake or you get yeah, jumped on. Sorry. I uh, I made a big mistake. I was like, it's a cat god. It's like, no, nah, that's a jackal, dude. Only about 50 people on Twitter wanted yeah, to tell us that. I know. I was like, should I, should I delete the tweet? I'm like, no, it's too shameful. It must live on forever. <laughs> Hazaret the Fervent is three and a red for a legendary creature god. Not an enchantment creature like the other gods. Yeah, interesting. Has indestructible and haste. So indestructible, we know gods normally have that. I can, I think we can pretty clearly stay that, state that they're going to be indestructible. Yep. Hazret the Fervent can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. Hey. So it's kind of like the other gods in that they weren't creatures until you had devotion to whatever. So, but this is a little bit different. We'll talk about that in a second. But then has uh, an activated ability, which is you pay two and a red, and then you discard a card, and Hazaret deals two damage to each opponent. Wow. So this is a way to reliably discard cards, and it also has a decent effect, which is it, it, it pings everybody for two damage. Yeah, the cool thing about this is, you know, if it's the last card in your hand, you just play it, and it can immediately swing. Yep. Um, it's also just... In a deck like mine is great. You can now discard cards and have it do damage to each opponent, which is great. Think if you have reanimate. Well, you want to get that awesome creature out of your hands because you can reanimate it for one mana. Yeah. And now you can do that reliably, you know, while also 
doing damage to everybody. Not only can you do it reliably, you're doing it with an indestructible creature, which is just probably going to stick around for a very, very long time. I will say, I want to talk about these, this god really quick, although we're going to do probably a set review, so we'll go more in depth. But it's interesting that it doesn't have the text, isn't a creature unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. It just can't attack or block, which yeah. means it's susceptible. It's a, it's quite a bit worse, I'd say, than the Theros gods in that it's susceptible oh, yeah. to Path to Exile the entire time. So I, if all the gods, and I, they probably will, have that form of sort of flipping the switch and turning on to and being creatures, quote-unquote, uh, I think they'll be less powerful on the whole than the Theros gods were. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and obviously Perforos is quite a hard contender to uh, to beat in terms of power level. Yeah, no, it was never going to be as good as Perforos. But it is very similar in that it is a card that does damage to each opponent. True, so. true. Um, very interesting. Yeah, all right. Well, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. We mentioned this on the other show, but it is now out and available for your consumption in case you forgot. Dimension 404, the newest offering from Rocket Jump, my brother's company, is out. It's a mix between Black Mirror and The Twilight Zone, and if you haven't gotten used your free trial for Hulu, now is the perfect time to do it. You'll Absolutely. catch the entire series if you do it right now. Uh, the first three episodes are out. I believe another three are either coming out tomorrow or very, very soon. So there's only six episodes total. It's a ton of fun. Go to Hulu.com and make sure you join the website and watch this show. Yeah, you want to check it out. It's definitely built for basically the same audience as our podcast. Uh, it's yeah. legit. It has like some big-name actors in it, actors you'll recognize. Sarah Hyland from Modern Family, the oldest of the daughters. Patton Oswalt, just a great, great guy. Joel McHale, Joel McHale, Constance Wu. Um, there's a bunch. Leah Michelle from Glee. Yeah, there's a whole. I mean, it's it's a legit show. You definitely want to check it out. And uh, we're really proud of those guys for what they've been able to accomplish over yeah. there. And we hope they keep making awesome stuff. And the way they're going to do that is if you guys all go watch it. Yeah, and sign up for Hulu or use the free trial if you haven't already. And Hulu is also I like I like Hulu a lot. I use it to watch a lot of TV shows now. Something else I like a lot. Segway man is the Masters of Modern podcast. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. In fact, Ben just teamed up with like two of their listeners and oh, went to yeah. GP San Antonio for That's the so cool. Unified Modern GP. And uh, they're talking about that, I'm sure, on their podcast. And they're always talking about other awesome stuff. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast, or you can find them on Collected.Company, which is our new magic hub. And they're right next to us. Also, you can unlock their logo on our Lifelinker app. Yeah. I think probably by following them through Patreon, although they haven't officially told us how they're going to uh, let you guys do that. As Jimmy and I mad scramble to bring up Lifelinker on our phones and show Life it to you. Lifelinker! Is that our theme song? Yeah. Da -na 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 -na. And the cool thing is you can also choose how many players there are, up to six. Uh, you can change the starting health as well. Uh, you can have one player for some reason. I don't know why you would, but look, it's a one-player game. If you're goldfishing, maybe. This one's Jimmy. Hey, hold on. His life is just slowly taking <laughs> time. Jimmy, you're at 14 life, 13, now less. Whoa, 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 now whoa, 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 hey! <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy, you just died. That happened so fast. <laughs> anyway, yeah, here's the, uh, you can see the Masters of Modern logo uh, on the bottom there. So you can unlock these logos as well as just get the app for yourself if you look up Lifelinker for Android and iPhone. Yeah, again, it's totally free to just use the basic uh, life total. Yep. Uh, app and if you want to unlock the rest of it 99 cents one-time purchase you'll have it for the rest of time also because the app is always in development we're always looking for feedback as well so please tweet at us and let us know if you if there's anything that you want changed uh we may not do it but it's good to hear because you know we're obviously we were testing this in the dark like i was with this deck as well yeah, i like that you brought that around full yeah, circle all the way segway man it's all right segway man name that tune <laughs> It's the circle of life. Uh, I think we all know where that one's from. Yeah, Hamilton. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the one about the uh, the the yeah, the politics, right? Yeah. The politics of the 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 king and his yeah. brother. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's a king in, yeah. in Hamilton, right? Yeah, it's the king and I. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations. You can find. Jeffrey on Twitter at Living Cards MTG, and you can find our video podcast at youtube.com slash the command zone. Is it the command zone podcast? Yes. The command zone podcast. I'm like, why are we waiting? I was thinking, I was like, is it just the command zone cast? Is it just command cast? No, youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks Ooh. for listening.
We, we made it. We made it. Whew, it's close. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Actually, you didn't make it. You died. I'm sorry. Oh, man, Remember, on the I'm at negative, negative one. Yeah, I'm beyond dead. Negative one. Negative two. Negative three. Oh, negative where's my reanimate? No less. No, I need to no, cast none. reanimate on myself. <laughs> and then to die again to the life loss. Peace. Bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.